0: We've been able to come today, so we're coming come in. That's really nice. So it's really nice to be here this morning. <clears throat> so this morning we are going to continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and so let's begin reading Matthew five verses one to twelve as a refresher here this morning, and I'll be using the New King James. <clears throat> now remember, these Beatitudes are exclamations and should be read accordingly. Remember that? Well, some people know (laughs) it. And seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now verses 10 and 11 we're coming to here are considered one beatitude. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Now in these eight statements that we refer to as the Beatitudes, Christ describes... The character of a christian who will experience the kingdom of heaven now the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god are one and the same and it is the rule a reign or reign of god it is a spiritual kingdom god reigns in the hearts of his people so over and over in the beatitudes jesus says blessed are the So what does it mean to be blessed blessed means one who has received a gift or favor from god and as we saw last time it's the settled inner satisfaction that comes to those who are in god's favor through jesus christ and this means that none of the individual beatitudes should be seen as independent of the others they all go together and are interrelated to one another in such a way as to form a single progression. They, together, describe what each disciple, that is, each follower of Jesus Christ, is to be like. Now, notice the progression of thought in these verses. Verse 3 speaks of the poor in spirit. Now, the person who is poor in spirit has the right attitude about sin, which leads to mourning in verse 4. Now, when someone recognizes his or her sinfulness and mourns over it, he or she develops meekness in verse 5. And that leads that person to hunger and thirst for righteousness in verse 6. And such hunger plainly shows itself in mercy, verse 7, pure in heart, verse 8, and a peaceable spirit, verse 9. A person who displays these attitudes can expect to be criticized, persecuted, and falsely accused, verses 10 and 11. And that's because that kind of lifestyle is an irritant to worldly people. But in the end, believers will be able to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is their reward in heaven, verse 12. Now, last time, We studied the first two Beatitudes Jesus spoke in verses three and four. Now the third Beatitude that he spoke is verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now here in verse five, we add one more inner characteristic, one more attitude to Jesus' description of a genuinely blessed Christian jesus says that the meek are blessed and he also says they are blessed because their meekness makes it possible for them to inherit the earth now this statement of jesus is perplexing it is completely contrary to the thinking of our modern world our culture honors strength power ability self-assurance, and aggressiveness. And according to today's way of thinking, the people who exhibit these traits are the ones who are going to inherit the earth, not the meek. For most of us, meek means weak, and no one wants to be thought of as weak. In today's world, if you call a person meek, he or she would be insulted. If you're applying for a job as a salesperson, and you put that on your resume, I am a big person. <laughs> In <With> today's standards, <laughs> you probably wouldn't get the job. The world says, mighty are the strong. Jesus, on the other hand, says, mighty are the weak. Totally counterculture. totally against what our natural being wants. But God has called us to plainly show meekness in our lives. And since he has called us all to have it, therefore it has to be a supernatural work done by God in our lives. And the word meek in our text is the Greek word praus, and that's P-R-A-U-S. It communicated the idea of strength in the right balance, strength under control. Now this word was also used to describe an animal that was domesticated meekness was the attribute of a horse for example that was well trained to obey commands or answer the reins of the rider the horse was just as strong as it was before it was trained but that strength was now exerted at the right time and in the right amount an animal that successfully underwent the process of taming was described as having been meek. <coughs> and the word meek has the idea of strength under control. Now to help us to understand meekness, we have to look at Psalm 37. You want to turn there, Psalm 37. In the latter part of verse nine, Says those who wait on the Lord they shall inherit the earth and the first part of verse 11 says the meek shall inherit the earth so what are these meek people who wait on the Lord like And we get a better picture of this in verses 5 7 8 and 27 verse 5 commit emphasis on commit your way to the Lord Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. In verse seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Verse eight: cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret; it only causes harm. In verse twenty-seven, depart from evil. do good so the picture we have of meekness in these verses is that meekness begins when we put our trust in god and then because we trust him we commit our way to him in the confidence that his timing and his power and his grace will work things out for his glory and for our good and then we wait patiently and quietly for the outcome, relying entirely on God to bring justice at the right time, and at the same time continually doing good to others, which is what meekness is all about. The result is that we don't give way to quick and fretful anger. I wonder who that sounds like. Doesn't sound like me, sometimes. (laughs) We're all human. I shouldn't have put that in there, should I? We just, we all do it, one time or another. Anyway, so then, who are the meek? Meek people are strong people. They have their strength under control. Now, it's not that meek people never get angry, they do but for the right reasons. They get angry when God's glory is at stake or when injustice is done to others, not when they face personal insults. They always strive to put the feelings and needs of others above their own. They don't retaliate, but keep on doing good because they rely on God to bring justice at the right time. Meek people exhibit strength under control the bible stresses that we as believers are to pursue meekness as a lifestyle and paul tells us in colossians 3 verse 12 i read that from the niv therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility, gentleness, that is, meekness, and patience. And in Ephesians 4, verse 2, he tells us to be completely humble and gentle, that is, meek. And Peter stresses in 1 Peter 3, verse 9, that we are also to have a non-retaliatory behavior. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. You see, retaliation never brings peace to our souls. Hitting back to get our pound of flesh will never make us look like Christ. He is the one the world needs to see in us. We are His ambassadors, called to represent Him. Faithfully, in Psalm 25, verse 9 says, God guides the humble, that is the meek, in what is right and teaches them his way. Now another portrait of meekness is in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, where we read, James says, So then, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of a person does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So the feature of meekness that James brings out is being teachable, by being quick to listen and slow to criticize and condemn Meekness is not a natural quality. So the question is, how can we grow in meekness? It is a characteristic that the Holy Spirit alone can produce in us. And we read in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, and I think we all know these verses, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness, and self-control. Meekness, then, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, or fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. So what is the reward for a meek lifestyle? Jesus said in the second half of the Beatitude, for the meek, shall inherit the earth. Now Jesus could just as easily have said the meek shall inherit the new heaven and earth, meaning its blessings. It is the same content and meaning as the new heaven and earth of Revelation (coughs) chapter 21. The first beatitude in verse 3 reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last one in verse 10 reads, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now to begin and end with the same expression is a stylistic device called an inclusion. This means that every verse bracketed between the two can really be included under one theme. And this suggests that all of the Beatitudes are kingdom blessings as well. Now these Beatitudes speak of the righteous character of a kingdom citizen. And a kingdom citizen has all of these characteristics. The manifestation of them, however, will depend on each believer's fellowship with the Lord. The more we manifest these Beatitudes in our lives, The more we will be blessed during our time here on earth. Oh, yes. Before we begin the next Beatitude, I read a story about a man (coughs) who was crawling through the Sahara Desert when he met another man riding on a camel. The first man says, (coughs) Excuse me, water please, can you give me some water? The man on the camel replied, I'm sorry, sir, I don't have any water with me, but I'd be delighted to sell you a necktie. The first man responded, I don't need a necktie, I need water. And so the man continued to crawl through the desert for several more days. And finally, parched with thirst, his skin peeling under the relentless sun, he happened upon a restaurant. And with his last bit of strength, he staggered to the door and grabbed the head waiter and said, "Water, can I get some water?" And with a stoic look on his face, the waiter said, "I'm sorry, sir. Net ties are required in order to be served in this restaurant." Mm. Okay, it's funny, but it's not funny. But anyway) <laughs> <laughs> okay, I share the story with you <laughs> because we now come it's coming to service now. We now become we now come to a beatitude in which Jesus talks about hunger and thirst. But as we'll see in our study of this verse, our Lord was not referring to a physical yearning for food or water. He spoke of another form of hunger and thirst, an inner yearning that all people experience the physical hunger and thirst that we feel after a hard day's work on a hot summer's day are only a pale reflection of a far more serious yearning that we all feel jesus tells us in verse 6 blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled that is they shall be satisfied Now, just as food and water are physical necessities, righteousness is a spiritual necessity. It is a continual desire that knows no end. To hunger and thirst for righteousness means that which drives me, sustains me, keeps me going, and what I desire more than anything else in life. A person who belongs to the kingdom of God has a great appetite for righteousness as he or she does for food and water and will never get to the point in this life where they think they have arrived. No matter how much you love, you can always love more and you should love more. And no matter how much you pray or obey God or think like Christ, you should always want to do better. Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, Not that I have already attained, or I am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. David was an example of a man who hungered and thirsted for righteousness. He was a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14. He walked in close communion with God. He personally experienced God's protection, care, and guidance. He wrote in Psalm 23, verses 1 to 4: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name'sake." Listen to his heart cry for God in Psalm 63 verse one: "O God, you are my God early will I seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water David's hunger and thirst for God never diminished our <clears throat> hunger and thirst for righteousness begins the moment we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Through the, righteousness de- through the righteous declaration of a holy God who cleanses and forgives us on the basis of the finished work of Christ. And the Bible says you will be righteous if you believe in what Jesus has done. He has died on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. And look that in its widest aspect, this hungering and thirsting refers to that panting of the renewed heart for God. Psalm 42, verse 1 As the deer pants for the streams of water in the desert, so pants my soul for you, O God isaiah 26 verse 9 my soul yearns for god in the night and in the morning my spirit longs for god it's that yearning for a closer walk with god that longing to be conformed to the image of his son and a fine example of that is psalm chapter one blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled we shall be satisfied. God will satisfy us, but we will continue to hunger and thirst. I am satisfied when I eat a nice piece of cake or a piece of pie, but I always want more. The satisfaction of one piece provides the one satisfaction yeah, the peace provides also increases my desire for more of the same. Do you folks feel the same? Mm-hmm. You a piece of yeah. potato chips, don't <laughs> do Want more? Of the same? <gasps> well, that is the picture of what righteousness is for the saved. The more we are filled with the taste of Christ's righteousness, the more we desire it. It's like. And addiction so was Jesus hungering for righteousness certainly he was God's longing for the world to be set right is what drove him to come incarnate to live die and rise, <clears throat> and rise again Jesus life was for the righteousness of God to fill up to satisfy creation God's love is such that he loves us to perfection until we are truly righteous, living as we were created to live. And God continues to work out his righteousness in and through Christ until all will be right everywhere. So in closing, the pain of constantly falling short of God's standards, characterizes those who hunger after righteousness. Believers need to hunger for righteousness as a starving person hungers for food. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will spend time in God's Word. The hungry do not need to be told to eat. And believers shouldn't have to be told to read and study their Bibles. To be continued. I well, love that. There it is. That means I have to be quiet. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for your word, for being here with us, among us here this morning. We can send your presence, Lord. And thank you for this. And thank you for your word, and thank you for what we've learned here this morning. Lord, that we as Christians are to keep searching and keep reaching for the righteousness that you want us to have, to have that peace that passes all understanding in our lives so that we can communicate and have fellowship with you. Lord, and I just pray this in your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening again this morning. And that's that's four, four Beatitudes now. How many of them are there? Eight. Yes, eight. You said 10 and 11 are considered one. Yeah. So that makes eight.